Hi everyone. I'm really excited to interview Kai Hung Chen. He's currently working as deep learning research scientist at Autodesk Research. He did his bachelor's in physics and mechanical engineering at National Taiwan University and pursued his master's in science from in robotics from Carnegie Mellon University. In this episode, we'll discuss about various applications of AI in construction industry and also talk about his research papers published recently. So without much ado, I'll start the interview. So Mr. Kai, can you tell us about your background? Yeah, so I'm a research scientist in Autodesk Research. I Right now I'm in a team, it's called AEC Industry Future Team. So what AEC stands for is uh, Architecture, Engineering and Construction. So basically right now I'm mostly researching on like deep learning opportunities in this AEC architecture and construction um, domain. So my background is kind of uh, multidisciplinary. So I started uh, my undergrad mechanical engineering, but later I switched major to physics because I love uh, astrophysics. But later on, I feel like astrophysics is like uh, very like abstract. So I kind of, I'm a more hands-on person. So I ended up, I minor back to mechanical engineering. And then that's when I found my interest uh, in robotics. So I actually love building stuff. And yeah, so I applied uh, to CMU Robotics Institute, the master program. So yeah, that's where I learned uh, robotics and also uh, some of the latest uh, deep learning technology. And I'm very happy that I got this chance of applying this deep learning technique into uh, architecture and construction. So basically, I'm I'm pretty open to learn new stuff and I like to, you know, try out a bunch of new things in seeking opportunities in different domains. Mm-hmm. That's quite interesting how you worked in different disciplines and eventually found your interest and passion. So uh, my next question is, what inspired you to become a deep learning research scientist? Yeah, so basically my personality, I tend to like uh, building cool and mind-blowing demos. So I like to test out what people have never tried before. So when I'm uh, choosing my you know, major or my uh, research passion, I tend to think about, okay, what topic is most poten- has the most potential, right? And deep learning is definitely one of the uh, most popular science that nowadays. And also, yeah, so I also see a lot of potential application that can be applied. Mm-hmm. And how does a day in your life look like? Yeah, so during my work days, you know, as a researcher, I definitely uh, need to learn. So I not only uh, read papers, I also learning from um, domain experts and also uh, some of our customers because I'm not coming from the background of architecture or construction. So I got to like learning by interviewing and get to know their uh, workflows. And yeah, so other than learning, it will be basically uh, working, like implementing stuff. So um, doing research, I for deep learning research, there are multiple phases. So like data generation, data collection, cleaning, and then training the model and eventually evaluating the results. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's basically my what my day looks like i see and any mentors 
guide or role model who made a significant contribution in your life yeah i would give this honor to my uh, master mentor professor stelian chorus yeah so yeah he taught me a lot of things and yeah so he he's he has done a lot of research in computational design and his research work is very are all very like creative and inspiring so kind of match my personal interest of building cool stuff and he not only did he like showed uh, interesting work he also taught me like the importance of having a like technically grounded solution instead of like randomly trying out a bunch of stuff and yeah so i yeah i basically would like to thank him and learn a lot from him mm-hmm. so now we will move on to our next section which in which kai will talk about his professional work how was your research experience at carnegie mellon university yeah so i had a very interesting research project so it's all about like soft robots and i started this project with physics based simulation so it's uh, this topic actually coming from comp- computational design and uses some of the computer graphics simulation techniques so if you know about like finite element analysis i learned that um from my mechanical engineering major and then i actually built this uh, physics based a uh, simulation tool to help designing the soft robots. So, one paper I published on Seagraph 2017 is interactive design of animated plushies. So, if you know like plush toy, we can I I basically uh, routed cables on some of the uh, bodies on a plush toy and then and then our system can uh, basically do kind of inverse design we want some motions and where should we uh put the cables basically so that when we pull the cables is like puppetry when we pull the cables it will the plush toy will do uh, our desired motion yeah so after that i an idea came to my mind is actually you know instead of having this uh plush toy we can actually build a foam foam hand right we, we cast a cast a foam robot out of a human hand right and then we can have this very dexterity given the complex shape of a uh, human hand and then yeah so we build this foam hand and i do like 3d scanning to build a, a virtual model and then throw that into our my simulation environment and then i try to learn the control yeah so yeah it's a very interesting topic and actually like never had most of most of the soft robots in a research community are basically like regular shape so i kind of pushed the uh, boundary to re- do research on a more complex shape or arbitrary shape for the soft robot so i think it's a very interesting and inspiring research work yeah so that's basically my research in uh, cmu yeah that sounds quite interesting i'll definitely share the link of those videos in the description can you tell us about your work experience at autodesk yeah sure so recently we published uh, two papers and i would like to share these two papers in this talk so uh, the first paper is called uh, how scan this is a a intern work and we also work with professor yasu from simon fraser university 
So this paper is submitted to ECCB this year, and we're still waiting for author notification. Yeah, and this work is basically trying to solve a problem where when architects are brainstorming kind of room layout designs with their customers, architects usually start with this bubble diagram, right? And then they have to go back and forth discussing with their customers what are their needs. Like this bubble diagram, if it makes sense to satisfy their functionality, and then architects will go back and then come up with this、uh, layout, right? And then a customer、uh, will look at the layout and point out some of the、uh, things they、uh, they do not like as much, and then architect has to go back. Right. So we want to automate this process, right? We want to、uh, have this process of generating multiple layouts. That satisfy this bubble diagram, so that so that this is kind of a a tool where we can generate a bunch of solutions. So even with this one, the same bubble diagram, we can create a bunch of different layouts that satisfy this、uh, bubble diagram, right? And then maybe the、uh, the customer can choose from、uh, one of this and then、uh, do some tweaking. Yeah. So this is basically this research. And yeah, and another paper is、uh, learning to、uh, simulate and design for、uh, structural engineering. This paper get recently got accepted to ICML 2020. So this work is actually, I think, is the first paper that applies like deep graph neural networks on structural engineering. So we model this building geometry with a structural graph. And then we want to train an optimization model for this site design. So site design is basically we have this building geometry, this the、uh, skeleton of the building, right? And we want to output what are cross section types for each bars,、uh, like columns or beams, right? And yeah, and the optimization involves some of the、uh, structural analysis outputs, right? We want to make sure that the this Size design satisfies some like building code constraints. For example, like storage drift ratio limit, etc. So we also want to train a, a surrogate model for a structural analysis. Here is the simulation structural analysis, and we can have this trained model to output predicted structural analysis results, and then we can compute our objectives and constraints. So this is an end-to-end learning pipeline. So we can、um, first pre-train this、uh, circuit model, and then we train the optimization model. Yeah. So some of、uh, our yeah, I can show this our generated designs. So which is very interesting. Yes. So we train. Um, we train the optimization model for、uh, different scenarios, and then we can have this here. The harsh constraint is we have a very strict drift ratio limit, while the moderate constraint is we have a higher, which is looser drift ratio limit. And we here the zero weight and、uh, low weight and high weight are the、uh, cost, the weight of the cost loss. Yeah. So yeah, we can see that some of when cost is not in our consideration, we get really like complex design, and yeah, and but if we add the cost objective, increase the、uh, weight of cost objective, 
and we get like better designs. So if we take a look at the moderate, con the high weight solution, right? For moderate constraints, we can see that the model generates these, it has these uh, micro decisions on individual uh, bars, which doesn't look natural to uh, human designs. But for the harsh constraint, we see that this looks more like a human design, right? So we actually show this uh, design to uh, structural engineers to uh, get their feedback, and they do see uh, some of these insights. So for example, we see a the model tends to use uh, stronger and thicker columns at the bottom of the building, which you know we didn't specify it during learning, right? The model actually learns because of the objective uh, we give. Yes. So this is the result for optimization model. Our surrogate model also performs pretty well. So we reach a 98% accuracy and compared to, we use Autodesk robot structural analysis for the structural analysis software. And compared to that software, yeah, our model is like very fast. Yeah, it's 300 times faster. So our model only takes like 43 milliseconds. Yeah, so what, what we can get from what can we get from uh, these two trained models? So for a surrogate model, right, we have a, a fast approximation of the structural analysis, and this can be used to provide instant feedback for, for example, like architect architects when they're in like early design phase. Right, we can already have this plugin instead of having a structural engineer or structural uh, analysis software at the side, and which is uh, very slow and laborious. And also when we're doing some kind of um, simulation-based optimization, we have in each iteration, we need to call the structural analysis software, right? Which is very time consuming. So we can actually use this uh, surrogate model uh, to replace the, the traditional software. And for the optimization model, we later show uh, its performance comparing to a genetic algorithm. So the solution can actually serve as a seed for a genetic algorithm, and that actually uh, speeds up the uh, optimization process like uh, eight times. So yeah, so I think uh, this is a very interesting research work, and this is actually the first paper that applies graph neural network to structure engineering domain. And I do see there's a need to um, raise this interest from deep learning community and then they can, you know, jump in and, you know, create more interesting research work on this direction. That's quite amazing. What kind of exception rule can we apply when we are doing this analysis? So if I have, if I have a preference for certain types of sections, yes, can we yes, do yes. that? So in the optimization, yeah, we, here we consider different objectives and constraints. And yeah, one assumption I make here is that these objectives and constraints has to be differentiable because of the back propagation nature of neural networks. Yeah. So here our cost objective is basically, yeah, you can have a, a cost model where you have unit cost for every single bar. You can just compute the tonnage, right? You have the length, you have the cross-section area, you have the density, and then you can multiply by the material uh, cost, right? The, yeah, the, the, this is definitely differentiable, right? 
this is like yeah and drift ratio constraints is is also you know you can just penalize when there's drift ratio larger than some limit here we also have this variety constraint because we learn from the our customers that you know when we have too many different kinds of cross sections the manufacturer cost tends to increase so here i set the limit to six so you know again we just uh, limit the different numbers of cross sections here i i did some design of the cost this constraint function so that it makes sense it's differentiable and it also provides a good gradient yeah so this is still some assumption of this limitation of this method there are still other techniques uh, that can you know deal with a non-differentiable method such as using a reinforcement learning but this is a different technique other from this paper mm-hmm. and the long-term vision for this tool is this can be really helpful in the conceptual design phase for architects to do the sizing without getting dependent on other engineers to do that yeah 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 so yeah other than that structural engineers can you know instead of starting like starting the design with like uh, starting the design from scratch right we can have proposed an initial design right saying like this is the design and what does structural engineer thinks about this and then they can um, do like, kind of grouping and uh, group editing and to yeah or maybe if the model generates something right and the structural engineer thinks like this is suspicious he can actually test it and if he sees the value of the re- results then maybe it, the result the model becomes like inspired generating inspiring solutions right this is also something uh, that is very interesting i see and going back to your first paper how do you determine the relationships between different types of programs yeah so since this is the first paper that you know investigate this graph to lay out our work so we do not consider very complex bubble diagrams so here the connectivity are mainly based on if the two layouts are are next to each other yes so i know there are uh, other different type of edges for example like if you think about coming from the main main entrance right and you want the main bedroom to be more inside the room right because it's more private right sometimes bubble diagram has to deal with that and here we also do not deal with the door right you can imagine there should be some door connectivity yeah that that will makes the bubble diagram uh has more information yeah but since this is the first work we just deal with their connectivity if if they are next to each other i see so the vision for this is getting as many different layouts with this combination as much as possible and then figure out like the circulation and the detail program layout yes 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 basically generating a variety of layouts that satisfy this graph constraint okay and right now it's in 2d so if we have a building with several programs in third dimension yeah that's uh, actually uh part of our future work so uh you can imagine that 3d right we can extend this right now it's a uh, 2d bounding boxes right to 
we can extend it to 3D bounding boxes. Right? But then we kind of get into a challenge of how we're going to represent this 3D bubble diagram. Yeah, so that's actually a very interesting uh, future work. And definitely, yeah, we're actually working uh, in this direction. All right. This is quite interesting. Thanks a lot for sharing. Sure. Now, my next question is, how do you envision applications of AI in building industry in next five years? Yeah, so uh, I believe a lot of, yeah, since I'm not coming from uh, the architecture or construction background, I basically learn like what are some of the ideas out there and also some of the, learn some of the pain points and thinking about how AI and deep learning can help solving um, uh, these problems. So there are different aspects. So there's one thing that is definitely assisted, uh, assistive design tools, right? So we basically uh, build design tools to not replacing the human design work, but replacing the boring and mundane part of the task, right? So such as like tracing, you know, I, what I heard is that a lot of junior architects they join the company and they start with these boring tasks instead of doing some of these creative creative work. And also what AI can do is that they provide information, right? Instead of providing some decisions because like design and architecture design and also structural design, this is very complex decisions, right? So instead of expecting our model to give a 100% accuracy result, uh, we tend to uh, think about how AI can provide useful information to aid the human to make the decisions. Yeah, there are other things like like training the creativity. This I think is a much future futuristic work. So right now there are AI and deep learning models that suggest like fashion wares, right? So this is kind of creativity. There's no like true or false, right? Right or wrong on the decision but it's more like aesthetic sense of different things. So maybe someday, like in the future, AI can have, show some create creativity. Mm-hmm. And yeah, there are other things like right now, I also see a need of integrating the architecture design and construction, right? Because uh, if we have, if they are not connected, then we might suffer from a, a huge cost in decision changes and a lot of uh, communication that needs to happen going back and forth and also time cost that we put in because of this problem right so yeah one kind of solution is that we bring the uh, late like construction phase some of these informations and decisions early in the design phase right so we can deal with solve these uh, p- potential challenges or problems early in the design phase. Yeah. And others are things that are like faster, like automation of some process. But a more interesting kind of way to build a model is we can make it more interactive, right? So it's not like automating a uh, replacing human work. We make it more interactive. Yeah. Yeah, and another direction in AI and deep learning is we're trying to build a more ex- explainable AI. So instead of generating some solutions, we want to the model to actually uh, reason like why this is the solution and maybe show some explanation to 
the user why it's making this decision. So I think that recent in recent years there are a ton of work uh, that is researching on reasoning skills. So this is especially um, critical to complex domains such as construction, right? So think about like images. We are just asking the AI model to look at the image, and so it's basically like perception, right? While uh, if you're doing like a construction, you base uh, or structure design, you have tons of building codes you have to satisfy, right? So and like some decisions you made in this uh, part of the building might affect other parts. So there's this a uh, causal relationship you have to understand. So I think this is uh, yeah a bigger challenge for the AI. Interesting. According to you, what are the potential challenges faced by building industry to adopt AI applications? Yeah, we, right now in Autodesk, uh, we deal with a bunch of customers and there are a lot of challenges we face when we're trying to collaborate with industries because it is, I think it is still a very, not many industry has, you know, adopted this AI application. Right. The, I know it's because you know changing the exit the, the same workflow that exists for decades is very hard, right? And you have to invest a lot of money and time. For example, like collecting data. So one issue is that most of the time we don't have enough data, right? So imagine a like a company who ha has uh, run for like uh, ten years and each year they provide uh, fifty projects, right? either design or construction projects, right? They have basically 500. But 500 is usually not enough for training like uh, deep learning models. So usually we'll have uh, 10K or 100K data. So yeah, this is the challenge there. So it is very hard for one company to you know get enough data. So we kind of have to have different data collection strategies but I also think that there's a need that the, the industry or uh, acad academy can like start uh, making these uh, public data sets. So that can that makes an easier uh, access for deep learning researchers to actually uh, build applications around this uh, domain. So I want to give this example of, yeah, in re recently uh, there, there's AI drug discovery that just appears in recent two years. So it's also using uh, graph neural networks and chemistry and biologists, they build this chemical data sets. And now there's a bunch of these innovative research just because they have this public data set so that deep learning researchers can use it and you know build solutions around that. So MIT actually used deep learning to find an antibiotic called halicin. So if we can have a similar data set like for architecture and even for construction, then I believe that we can make a much faster progress in this domain. Now uh, we will move to our last section, which is about advice to students and professionals. So what will be your advice to people who wish to do similar work? Yeah, so basically there are I see there are two different types of work. So one is 
uh, more on the research side and the other is more on the like product side right product side they care more about like low-hanging fruit they want to build a uh, working uh, prototype right instead of uh, a limited uh, prototype so for people who want to you know who's more interested in low-hanging fruit i would recommend like learning some of these uh, like image related deep learning uh, techniques because those are more mature and as many of you have already uh, learned the power of like computer vision right we have this uh, facebook filters and we add these we have this uh, detection model for like traffic lights in self-driving cars right we can do similar things for like de- detecting different symbols in in drawings Right, that that's one example, yeah. And also, there might be, uh, you might also want to take a look at some of these active learning because you might want to have a model that keeps learning over time. Because at the beginning, you don't have enough data, right? So when uh, the user generates data on the fly when using it, right? How can the model update the uh, update itself to gain better performance? And for the research side, recently. Yeah, you can take a look at harder um, problems and other techniques such as like reinforcement learning, right? Because some of these, some of the objectives or constraints is not differentiable. So uh, you might want to use reinforcement learning to train a model, right? And also like graph neural networks is very popular. It uh, can deal with these uh, relational information. Yeah, so a lot of these can yield uh, yeah these relational inductive uh, bias so it's basically learning the relation can actually help the reasoning for the neural network so i also some like non deep learning paper including like knowledge right and you how you can encode like rules right either human rules human design rules or building codes constraints right i think this is more uh, this is closer to the nature of like construction and structural engineering industry. Yeah, so overall just uh, find interesting problems and think about like diff- interesting interactions and also ask yourself like why you want to build this model? Is it just because, oh, I have a tool and I'm trying to, I have a hammer and I'm uh, seeking a nail, right? But yeah, or yeah, I would recommend thinking like how you can build this tool that actually solve the problem. Yeah. I think that's a really good piece of advice. And can you share some resources which will be useful to people who are interested to learn about AI and its application in building industry? Yeah, to be honest, there's not much, you know, application. Well, I'm I'm a AI researcher, right? So I I most of my focus is in the AI community. So I don't see a lot of like like AI applications in this industry, but I would recommend if people want to learn more or get inspirations, I would recommend people to read different AI papers that is applied in different other domains. So for example, I got inspired, you know, because I see graph neural networks used in chemistry, I also see that, oh, this can be applied in building structures too. Right? I think, yeah, so most of the AI papers are uh, publicly available at Archive. And there are also some like well-known conferences 
I recommend everyone should attend is like ICML and NIPS. And there are other specific uh, image-related conferences like ECCV and CVPR. Right? So if you want to deal with like design drawings, then definitely these are some of the conferences you would like to attend. <laughs> and how can students and professionals use AI in their design? Yeah, currently there are not many like tools or packages released like you know just plug and play kind of tools at least i i'm i i don't know a lot of them so there's it is very likely that you have to like build one so i imagine that if you read a paper and you think about some of these applications in in the in the architecture or construction right you might want to look at you know do they release some uh, github codes that you can like make some changes and then to um, satisfy your application. Yeah. There are also, yeah, or another way is you just work with uh, people with computer science background, right? That's, a, that's also uh, one solution. And yeah, because you can provide these, uh, your professional background and, and also work with computer science, how uh, they're going to design the solution, right? And also you have the knowledge of uh, creating your own data set because it is very hard for us, for deep learning researchers to actually know everything about the industry, right? So it is better for um, people with professional knowledge to create the data set and also have a source of, you know, consulting. So yeah, so that's the way of working with people with a deep learning background. How can our listeners follow you and your work? Yeah, people can add me uh, LinkedIn or you know, if you have any questions, welcome to send me an email. All right. Thanks a lot, guys. Yeah, I also want to thank you. You built this uh, very meaningful channel. You know, I believe uh, a lot of people have learned a lot uh, from the videos you share. And if I have further you know, updates on my new research, I'll definitely uh, let you know and share it to everyone. <laughs>